0: Let the Become Your Vision podcast be the inspiration you need to step into greater things. Now let's go. Hi guys, welcome back to the show, or maybe this is the first time you're listening to the show, and I appreciate you for tuning in. So I have a scratchy throat, so we're working through this. I'm also recording this intro in my car because this is the only window I have to record this intro because my podcast mic is at home and my kids are taken care of right now. So I want this to be a reminder to you that done is better than perfect. Sometimes we feel like we have to have the best audio or The perfect setup or, you know, the perfect look, whatever it is to do something. And the reality is done is better than perfect. This episode today is raw. And I just want to commend Heather for being so vulnerable and transparent in sharing her story. I know that her journey has been a hard one. And it's something that she still is working on. We talk about how therapy and intuitive eating has helped her. It also made me realize that there's such a big range of disordered eating, disordered way of thinking as far as nutrition goes. And I'm almost positive if you are listening to this episode, you have some degree of disordered eating, whether it's calling food good or bad, or over-tracking your macronutrients, or over-exercising, whatever it is. Maybe it's a, a small problem, maybe it's a larger problem. I think you can definitely benefit from this episode going into the new year. This is the Wednesday after uh, the new year 2022. Crazy to say. And I know there are so many people working on fitness goals and trying to lose weight. And it can feel overwhelming and all consuming. And I want this episode to be a reminder to you to tune into your thoughts, tune into your body, and if you feel like your situation, how you handle nutrition is more severe, hiring a therapist, a coach, I think would definitely be beneficial. You don't have to do this life alone. Maybe it's not nutrition that you struggle with. Maybe it's it's something else there is no shame in that and we're in this we're in this together so i hope you get something out of this episode and once again i just want to thank heather for being so transparent and vulnerable if you love this episode please screenshot it and share it with your social media if you have a family member a friend a daughter somebody in your life that you think could benefit from this episode please share it with them that is one way to do your part in helping all of us recover from the way diet culture has made us us feel okay you guys here it is hi guys welcome back to the show today i have my friend heather mcwright on she has been on the episode in the past it was episode 11, and I think this is episode 89 or 90, so quite a while ago. Today, we're talking about disordered eating and ways we can follow more of an intuitive eating type plan to live a healthier life Mentally, So I want to give you a little background on Heather in case you didn't catch episode 11 with her, but Heather is the creator of Bar Where You Are. She moved to Charleston, South Carolina in 2013, sight unseen after a decade of dancing professionally in New York City and on cruise ships. Here, she not only met her amazing husband, but she also discovered her post-dance passion bar. She obtained the bar certification quickly thereafter, followed by her group fitness instructor, mind body specialist and pre postnatal fitness specialist certification. That's a mouthful. Heather's mission in starting bar where you are has to, was to create an affordable and convenient way for everyone to enjoy bar while empowering her clients to push past limit limiting beliefs and become the best version of themselves. She believes every workout should count with lots of shaking, sweating, and smiling along the way. Welcome back, Heather.
1: Hi, Lauren. Thanks for having me. What good memory
0: you have. Episode 11. Look at um, you. I had to look back. <laughs> <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> no, my memory is not that great. But um, yeah, I was like, oh, no, it was only like six months ago. And I was like, no, it was a year ago. So that's pretty crazy. crazy. Yeah. So for listeners, uh, a couple weeks ago, this is episode episode 85 i had a registered dietitian on her name is sumner brooks and she specializes in intuitive eating and for those that don't know what intuitive eating is it's basically following your own body cues and by doing that you're deciding what to eat when to eat and how much to eat based on what your body is telling you and it's changing our view on food by not labeling it as good versus bad but also looking at food as you know it's it's all on the same platform like ice cream is ice cream and salad is salad it's all you know, food, of course it offers different nutritional value. Yes. But not looking at as like, oh, that's bad. That's bad for me. And, you know, internally then we're like, oh, well I'm bad if I ate it. And so today Heather is going to share her story on how she follows intuitive eating and how it has helped her, but for those of you that maybe didn't listen to that ap- episode, can you give them a little backstory on, you know, your dancing on cruise ships and just your life as a dancer and how that kind of set the tone for the way you viewed food?
1: Yeah. So I don't know if I can do it in a little backstory. Um, Go just ahead right f- for it. I feel like, you know, the last... I don't know, 20 years, two decades kind of got me where I am today. Um, So I would say that I definitely have a body image, a negative body image issue and um, what is called disordered eating. And that started about three decades ago um, when I was 13 years old. Um, As you mentioned, I was a dancer, um, my entire life, so I started dancing at a very young age, but kind of cliche dancer um, that everyone you know thinks of. You're supposed to look a certain size. Um, my days were were looking in the mirror. Um, I was comparing my body to another person's body, you know, dance instructors would say, oh, you don't have the ballerina body, because you're short or your legs are a little bigger. Um, You have more of like a jazz dancer body. So I grew up from a very young age being labeled. Um, And through that, even I didn't even know what I was doing. I just knew that Everyone was doing it and it was what I was quote unquote supposed to do. So I would say my disordered eating body image issues started, you know, at age 13, I was chewing gum instead of eating food. So whenever Mm. I was hungry, I would chew gum. I would hide my food in napkins. We had this rule growing up that you weren't allowed up from the table until you were done eating. So I would hide my food in a napkin. Um, or I would feed it to our dog. I even got to the point, I wouldn't say that I was bulimic cause I never swallowed the food, but I would definitely put the food in my mouth mm. and then go into the bathroom and, and spit it out. Um, mm. any diet you can think of. And this is like, I'm a, like freshman, sophomore in high school. I was mm. at this point. Um, I would, I heard of someone's mom being on the potato diet mm. where like you only eat a potato canned green peas. That's all I would eat was like, ew, who even eats canned green peas? Mm. Um, but it was just like obsessive like that. And then when I got in high school and got my driver's license, then I kind of realized like I was introduced to the gym. Now my mom took me to the gym, not to work out, not because like I needed it, but she needed it. Um, She would take me to Curves. It's like a women's only gym. So I would say Mm. that was my first introduction to like women working out. And, um, throughout this podcast, I probably will mention my mom a couple times. And I just want to preface it with, I am not blaming my mom for any issues or anything that I have, um, right now, but I, I think through therapy and intuitive eating, I have learned, um, kind of what triggered me or some seeds that were planted. And I, for one, wanted to start this intuitive eating journey so that when you know better, you do better. Mm-hmm. And for my kids, I did not want to, I don't want to use the, same, the, the word mistakes because I don't think my mom knew what she was doing, but I don't want to repeat history again. Mm-hmm. Um, my mom was and still is a huge critic of her body um, and does not have very healthy eating habits herself, but I will say she never said anything about my body. Never. It was almost like, and I think she actually said this, we don't, we don't do, um, eating disorders or body image issues in this family. Like we don't have time for that. It was She was very like cut dry, um, she didn't have patience for that kind of thing. So like any new diet I was on, she did not feed into that. Like she was not buying me the potatoes or buying me the green peas. That was all me. So when you
0: started, sorry to cut you off there, when you started, when you said like, going back to like the hiding, like the food, would you see other girls that you were, um, you know, dancing with, were they talking about food in a certain way? And you yeah. felt like you had to follow suit? Yeah, they were, I mean, not only girls
1: in dance, but you know, girls in school, people were just talking about how they were doing it. And I liked the way that they looked, So I thought that's what I needed to do to look that way as well. And, and media. I mean, I'll talk about diet culture a lot in this episode, but I was watching it in shows. I was reading about it in books. I was right. looking at it in magazines. Like it was hard not to know that people were doing this at this right. was quote
0: unquote, the thing to do when yeah. you wanted to look a certain way. Right. And that's still um, going on today. And I feel like what you were saying about, I feel like our generation is, um, coming up with different ways to say things that might not trigger things down the road. um, We kind of I don't know what the word is like kind of like sugarcoat things. Like we kind of soften up. I think that generation not to be like, Oh, you know, it's fine or whatever. But I think they were very into that was like when fitness kind of became very big and like, you'd watch VHS workout tips and like Jane Fonda. And it was all about the, um, you know, the aesthetic of why you would work out. You would work out to quote unquote, like get skinny, but, um, yeah. So I, I, yeah, can understand where that would trigger you. Yeah. So
1: then just going off of what you were just saying about fitness. So then when I started being able to drive in high school, that's when my exercise obsession came in because I was able to drive myself to the weight room before school and work out before my classes began. And then keep in mind, I was dancing five days a week, multiple hours a day. So just in that in itself, I did not need any more exercise, Mm -hmm. but that was my next route. Like, oh, this food, you know, dieting and chewing gum. And I was doing crunches. Like after every meal, I remember going upstairs in my bedroom and like hiding in a corner so that my sister wouldn't see me. And I was doing like a whole bunch of crunches. Like Mm -hmm. it just, it was scary. And then I didn't know how to get help. I didn't know that it was a bad thing. So then that led into, after I graduated high school, I started my professional dancing career um, where we were weighed every week and you had a five pound allowance. And I quickly learned that if you were under five pounds, you, no one said anything to you. You were almost praised for losing weight. But if you went above your five pounds, then you got in trouble. You got written up, you got referrals, you got put on weight, like a weight warning watch. And none of this ever happened to me, but I was seeing it done to other dancers in my cast. And I was so afraid of that happening to me. So again, I was continuing with, um, dieting and controlling what I was eating and exercise obsession came to a whole other level. Um, we would rehearse for eight hours a day, but I would go to the gym before we rehearsed and I would go to the gym after we rehearsed. And then I would go, I would have, we would have our shows. We would be performing that night. Wow. Um,
0: so were it you just- exhausted, quick-
1: Honestly, I don't remember being exhausted. Like, I don't remember feeling any way at the moment, but looking back, I'm like, how did I do that? Like, I mean, I was young, so maybe that has something to do with it. I was 19 when I started um, dancing on cruise ships, so maybe that has something to do with that. But anyway, and then that just continued. So after my dancing career, after 10 years ended, and then I moved to land, I was so afraid of coming from a place where I was dancing so much and had so much physical activity to moving to land. Like, Oh my gosh, this look that I have, like, I have to keep that up. And if I'm not dancing, I have to keep up working out. So I would go to the gym multiple times a day. Then I got introduced to bar, um, which and then became a fitness professional. which just now I'm still looking at myself in the mirror you know, or now I'm recording videos, I'm still looking at myself on camera. So it's just like the perfect storm, Mm -hmm. the recipe for, you know, I just every stage of my life, I was being compared. Um, I was looking at myself, I was judging myself, I felt pressure as a fitness professional to look a certain way. And I really got caught up in my identity Starting from a young age, I'm a petite short person. So everyone in school called me shorty, like the short girl. Then I was the dancer. And then, like, that was my identity. Right. And then I became the bar instructor or the bar boss or the fitness instructor. Like, I've always had this
0: identity literally attached to what I look like. Right. Hey, before we continue with the show, I want to talk to you about something that you might not think about too often, but it is vital in keeping you and your family safe, and that's insurance. In today's hectic world, we women have so many roles and things on our plate. Our to do list seems to get longer and longer. Rachel Davenport, the principal agent at LH Griffith and Company, understands because she is a wife and mother herself. Rachel can assist you with all of your insurance needs, whether it is trying to find the best deals on auto insurance, helping select the most appropriate home insurance coverage, or helping you protect your family with health and life insurance. Rachel does it all. We know what a headache it can be to select the best insurance. So to save yourself precious time and energy, energy, give Rachel Davenport a call today for all your insurance needs. Her number is 864-828-0579. That's 864-828-0579. Or find her on Facebook at Rachel Sells Insurance. All her information is in the show notes. Okay, back to the show.
1: So fast forward, keeping in mind that I've been struggling with body image and disordered eating all this time. Almost two years ago now, the pandemic hits and up to that, right before the pandemic, I was teaching 37 classes a week,
0: 37,
1: like 37
0: classes a week. I was teaching so 37 the, hours.
1: I, yeah. And I'm a, you've taken my classes. Yeah. I'm the type of instructor who I do the entire class. Right. And when I wasn't teaching on Sundays, we were filming. So I did not have a day off. So then pandemic hit and we all know what happened. Everything shut down. And I was like, oh my gosh, how am I going to keep up my look? How am I going to keep up my physique when I'm not teaching 30-some classes? Mm -hmm. So then I was still working out on my own to keep up with the amount of hours that I was still doing. And I don't know if it was, you know, the pressure of the pandemic, because I know we were all going through our own like mental issues and struggles or what it was, or if I really just hit a breaking point. But I... Collapse. Like I just hit a wall and I've never felt so low in my entire life. And up to this point, I had never shared with anybody mm. anything. Outside looking in, everyone thought I loved the way that I looked, that I was super confident, mm-hmm. that I didn't have any issues, that I could eat what I want. But what they didn't know is I was controlling every aspect of my day. I planned breakfast, lunch, and dinner based off of what I had. I needed to know what I was going to eat for breakfast so that I could plan what my lunch was and plan what my dinner was. I was getting social anxiety because it was causing me so much anxiety to think about going out and eating with friends and eating in public. I didn't like to eat in public because I didn't want anyone to comment on what I was eating, how much or how little I was. I needed control over if we were going over a to a friend's house for dinner, I need to know what they were going to make so that I knew what I needed to eat for breakfast and lunch, or did I need to eat before I went there? Um, so it was just getting, mm-hmm. I I couldn't enjoy my life. It was all encompassing. It was all that I could think of.
0: And it takes a mental toll. That takes so much energy in itself is thinking so about, about that. And a lot of things you're saying, I'm like, oh, you know, I've definitely been there and have my own struggles. And it's like, it is it's like and then you get irritated if you can't i don't know for you like if you can't control something and then you're like oh my gosh and then you feel like just like what am i going to do like panic almost like sets in over food
1: yeah and it was also getting to the point in social situations where if anyone commented um on the way that i looked and it would be a compliment they would say like oh i love the way that you look in that bathing suit or oh my gosh i wish i had those abs it would Completely derail me because Mm -hmm. then I felt this pressure of, okay, well, what did I eat today to make them like the way that I looked? Or did I work out today? Or now I feel this pressure that I have to continue looking this way. Our bodies freaking change. The way that I looked when I was 17 compared to now, like it's only natural that our body changes. Mm -hmm. So I hit a wall. I had a super low point, um, especially when I realized that my I could not keep going the way that I was going, not only mentally and emotionally, but physically as well. Not only could I not continue teaching 37 classes a week, I didn't want to continue teaching that many classes a week. I created my own business to have freedom and I didn't have any freedom at all. Not only because of the way that I structured my business, but also mentally and emotionally, I didn't allow myself to have freedom. I needed to eat this way. I needed to work out this much in order to keep this body image that I had. So that's when I started, I I think it was through Instagram, I think, that I started hearing about this intuitive eating. And I was like, what is this? So during the very beginning of the pandemic, we all had some time on our hands. So I got the book and I read it. And it made so much sense to me. It was like a light bulb went off. I was like, of course, of course we're supposed to listen to our bodies and eat when we're hungry. You mentioned that earlier kind of at the, I think they like the beginning of the pandemic was when that intermittent fasting was going on. And the best example that I've heard is when you have to pee, you go pee. You don't <laughs> say, Oh, Nope. This isn't your peeing window. You have to hold your pee for four more hours before you can pee. Right. It's a natural thing for your body to do is to go to the bathroom. It's a natural thing for your body to do to eat. Right. And I was, you know, yeah, like that's a good analogy. All the- yeah, that was like, oh, I was trying all the fads. And a close friend of mine was really into the intermittent fasting. And so I jumped on board with her almost because it was like a camaraderie thing, right? You know, like, oh, if you're doing it, I'm going to do it. And we would text like, oh, have you eaten yet today? You know, and oh, that's the diet culture seeping in there. Like so many women, especially form friendships and bonds over making bad body comments about themselves and dieting. That's Mm -hmm. how a lot of like relationships and friendships evolve or is the main source of. So anyway, I read the intuitive eating book. Like I said, it really hit home and I started doing the work and seeing a lot of progress. Um, but diet culture all around, I was the only one in my circle of friends and family that was had really dived in or even talked about intuitive eating and I would try to share it with other people but the people aren't going to change if they don't want to change so I slowly started sinking back into my old ways because it's just what I was surrounded with I was still seeing on social media people talking about new diets and intermittent fasting and um targeting certain body parts you know areas on their body to tone my friends and family were still talking you know diet culture so I was starting to sink back into my old thoughts after about six months. Um, and what I like to say is my intuitive eating muscle wasn't strong enough yet um, for that diet culture influence. So I, I needed to just like any muscle in your body, I needed to right. keep strengthening it and flexing it.
0: Yeah. So it is I- a new concept, even with, with the, I, I don't know, new were where a lot of people are. N- More people, I should say, are talking about it now. But when um, I had Sumner on, I was like, what the heck is this? Even now, I'm like, it's like when you're taught to ride a bike a certain way, or math. This is, I think, more relatable, especially to parents. Like you're taught math how to multiply a certain way. And then you do it all your life. And then all of a sudden you're taught the lattice method or this new method that they teach. I, I hear a lot of people talking about this. And then you're like, what, why the old method worked? Like, why would I try something else? And uh, but the difference Lauren, yeah.
1: is the old method doesn't work
0: right. Dieting doesn't work. Right. Yes. If it worked,
1: it wouldn't be called dieting. Right. right? You're right. Yeah. So yeah. That's the difference is yes. the old doesn't work. We're all born. And it talks about this in the book. And I follow a lot of intuitive eating accounts. And what they all say is we're all born intuitive eaters. Your newborn baby is born an intuitive eater. And it's through diet culture and the mother and the father and the family and the friends that change change that child from being an intuitive eater. Mm -hmm. So if we just kept, and that's my goal as a parent, when I have a child is I want to keep them that intuitive eater so that they don't have, I want their muscle to be so strong against diet culture that they don't have to go through what I've been going through.
0: Right. Yeah.
1: Um, so anyway, after about six months, I was like, okay, I was back to my old ways again. Um, And so then I decided to get an intuitive eating coach. Um, And that's when we dived real deep into any kind of body image, disordered eating. Um, It's an onion, right? It's never about the food. And you mentioned this a little earlier about control. Um, So I just started diving in and peeling back layers. And there were two main things that I feel like my body image and disordered eating stemmed from. And that was identity crisis. I didn't know who I was. I always listened to what people told me I was, and I grasped on that. I always have wanted to feel wanted mm-hmm. and um, the cool kid and accepted. And so I was always so willing just to take on the labels that everyone gave me, whether that was the short girl, the skinny girl, the dancer, the fitness instructor. I just wanted to be labeled something. Mm -hmm. and then control. I needed to be able to control situations and food and exercise were the easiest things for me to control. Um, and we really broke down the intuitive eating like philosophy. And there's 10 principles that I'm sure Sumner, um, went over, but we didn't actually touch
0: on that. Um, she wanted to kind of touch on it as a whole, but, um, I definitely feel like I have okay. So I will admit I started reading the book that was created intuitive eating or listening to the book. And maybe I need to get a hard copy of it because the audio version I was listening to, I wanted to fall asleep. Like it was so boring. <laughs> oh yeah. I don't know.
1: I've never listened to the um audio version of it. Um I like a hard copy because I was highlighting gotcha. stuff and like circling things. I'm not gonna be able to remember. The 10, but, and they don't have to go in order, but the main ones that I really focus on is, um, honor your hunger. So when you're hungry, you eat, respect your fullness. When you're full, you stop, um, gentle movement. So not like this regiment exercise, um golly
0: what are the other ones i don't know i'm obviously not a guru, but those are the ones that stick but, out and you follow that those are close to yeah, your heart are the ones
1: that were kind of in, most important to me right um and the ones that i i see like every day um yeah honoring your hunger respecting your fullness were were the big ones for me um i really struggled with i had this fear of feeling full i felt full was bad And fullness is not bad. It's a natural feeling that your body needs to feel so that other reactions and sensors can fire off to turn
0: off your hunger signals because you're not hungry. Um, Did you, go back to that, Uh, you, you were fearful of being full. So up until following intuitive eating, would you say that you were never full or rarely?
1: No, I would say I was, both ends of the spectrum. I was either never full or when I did feel full, that's when I would go downstairs and work out. Or that's when I would, um, restrict myself for, for next meals. Cause I thought fullness was bad. Mm-hmm. So I either made sure I never felt full or when I did feel full, I, um, punished myself. so Right. To
0: speak. Right. Yeah. Mm.
1: So, um, got this coach, and it was she was amazing. We got down to some really deep issues. Um, like I said, it's so much more than weight. Uh, we talked about uh, acceptance, how I wanted to feel accepted. My fear of rejection was huge. Um, and then of course my identity and I'm still, to this day, I still work with my intuitive eating coach and my therapist because I have come so far from where I was, but this is definitely a journey. It's taken me three decades to get to this point. Mm -hmm. It's not like, you know, you read the book one time and you're, you're cured. So to speak, I read the book once it was great. And then I slowly started falling out of practice again, because like you said, it's so new. It's no one else is talking about it. Um, So I had to read the book a second time and get this intuitive eating coach to kind of help make it applicable to me. Right. Um, And I still have bad thoughts, um, but I now have the tools to deal with them. And they are few and far between the, the bad thoughts. Um, it was getting to a point where like once a week, I, my husband would find me in my closet, just bawling my eyes mm. out. Like just the idea of putting clothes on um, even filming my videos. I, it, it was, a struggle editing. We, we talked about possibly hiring somebody to do the editing so that I didn't have to see myself mm. because we were what we were, finding a pattern of um, after filming, we would go back and edit the videos and I was just crying the entire time because I hated the way that I looked Um, or I would look at what was interesting that the intuitive eater um, coach brought out was I was always comparing myself to my, to myself, but to like previous versions of myself. Right. So I would look at like earlier videos and I'd be like, Oh, I wish I looked like that or older pictures and be like, Oh, I wish I looked like that. But guess what? I didn't like the way I looked right. back then either. If I was honest with myself and took a moment to think, what was I thinking or feeling right. four years ago or two years ago yes. or two weeks ago, because I loved the way that I was looking then. I wish I looked like that. Now I hated myself back then too. Right. So yeah. it's just
0: this It's a cycle, constant
1: vicious cycle. Exactly. Yeah, exactly.
0: I was talking with a friend yesterday and um, she mentioned this and I'm like, gosh, you know, it's so true, but when you're in it, it's so hard to see the way out. But it's like a lot of us, especially in this fitness industry, we are stuck on aesthetics Mm -hmm. and like, that's such a hollow place to be yet. We are so trapped. And it's like, when we are solely focused on the aesthetics and how we look and um, all of that, we never feel completely whole when we're so focused on that. And I'm like, girl, I'm like, you're so, you're so right. in what you're saying, it's like, yeah, you're never, And I'm sure there's so many listeners right now, especially, you know, going into the new year and they have new goals, fitness goals, especially it's huge, um, right now in the diet culture and, you know, there's going to be a new, new fad or whatever it is. And it's like, what if we sit back and ask ourselves, how do we want to feel based on how, you know, versus how we want to look? you know? So, um, what you're saying, I'm like, yeah, yeah. So was it hard for when you're crying in the closet? Cause like every, there's so many things that you said, I'm like, I'm getting like chills because I know you, I know your videos. And I'm like, what you, you know, I see somebody totally different than what you see, like you're talking about, like, I see this big, like star and you're bubbly and energetic and encouraging and all of these things. And it just like breaks my heart. And it's also very relatable where you're at to my, like to me personally, but like you crying in your, in your closet and your husband, like finding you, like, what were some of the struggles between, Like for him, did he ever say like, was he patient with you? Was it hard for him to, to help you? Like, how did you work through that?
1: He's amazing. Um, So he never grew up with any body image issues or, or or disordered eating. I'm not saying that men can't, but he just did not. Um, So he was kind in that he acknowledged that I was struggling with it, but he also had no, had no way or idea of knowing what I was going through. Like right. to him, it was like very foreign, but he also acknowledged that it was very real to me. So what helped was telling him like some comments that he was making, which to him and probably a lot of people, they thought they were giving me compliments. Right. Like, oh, I like the way that you look in that dress or, oh, your butt looks really good. Or, oh, your abs look really nice. People think those are great compliments. But to me, as I mentioned earlier, it was like the worst thing you could say to me because then I just got so deep in my head and in my thoughts of, oh, are they saying they like me now, but not the way I liked before, or putting the pressure on myself of now I have to obtain this that they that you know whatever they see I have to obtain that, and if I if I stop exercising this much or stop eating salads three times a day, like, is, are they still going to
0: like that? Right. Um, so So what did you have to tell him? Like when, when he compliments you now, do you like for me personally, if my husband's like, "Oh, you got a nice butt," Or if somebody like compliments like a physical feature, I know it's different for everybody. I'm like, Oh, you know, um, I kind of like it. I don't know if that's right or what, but how, how did you work through him? Like complimenting you because that's a natural you know, thing yeah. to First, I don't
1: think there's right or wrong. I think okay. what makes it right, right or wrong is how it affects the person. Totally. And if You're not having those like downward spiral thoughts like I was, then that's great. And right. I don't feel like there's anything wrong with that. Um, and through therapy and intuitive eating coaching, I now know that a lot of those comments that he makes at least I've done the work on like his behalf that they're not, there's no ulterior motive. Right. And I don't have to like think, go deep into it. Um, but he's learned now to compliment on who I am as a person, mm-hmm. um, like personality traits and stuff like that versus giving me physical compliments. Gotcha. So it was just a conversation. And um, when we are like out in social situations and it would be, we would come back home. I would point out like, Hey, did you hear this person say this, or this person say that? And he'd be like, yeah, I'm like, okay, well, let me explain how, like what my thought process was so that you kind of see that. And he's really good at steering conversations away from that now. So when he sees people start talking about what I look like or what I'm eating, he is able to like,
0: help you that. Oh, and a yeah. lot of
1: the things that trigger me aren't e- even, or not necessarily always about me. Um, it's we more about that a, person. We were about, and we well, we were in a social situation and that in this particular person was talking about how this food was bad and how, Oh, Heather, you can eat this. You deserve it. You, you work out a lot. I can, if I ate it, it would go straight to my hips. Okay. Well, they're talking about themselves, but, and now I am able to acknowledge like, that's a them problem, not a me problem. And I almost like pity them that they're 50 some years old and they still are struggling with that, which Mm -hmm. is one reason why I got the help I needed to, because I was like, I've struggled with this for three decades. I don't want to keep struggling with this three more decades. Right. I don't want to be any older, still hating the way that I look, still counting calories, still making sure I get all my steps
0: in or anything like that. Um, Going back anyway, to what it, you said about that one, like, you know, comments, how do you respond to those types of things?
1: Well, it depends on how strong I feel my intuitive eating muscle is and who that person is. Um, sometimes I'll say, oh, that's not really helpful. To me, or um, well, that's actually not true for for either one of us. Right? Uh, it's not true for you, and it's not true what you're saying about me—how I deserve it and how you how you don't deserve it. Um, and sometimes I just completely ignore it and change the subject. It just right. depends on the situation and the person.
0: Yeah, because I feel like it could be because, like, especially as women, we try to like please everybody. And it's like a, a nicety thing. Like, okay, do I really want to step into this territory? Because I, you know they, they may think, well, I didn't mean anything by it. And you're like, oh, is this going to be like awkward vibes between us? If I do say something yeah. or whatever it is, but, um, but yeah, just what for listeners, and, sorry.
1: sorry. What I try not to do is what diet culture does of like, if there's saying something bad about their body, I don't try to like camaraderie and say like, Oh, I know, I don't really like the way that my butt looks today either. Or, you know, something like that. I try not to feed into that. Right. Um, you know, they say like misery and loves company or something like that. I try to go opposite. Um, so yeah.
0: Yeah. So, okay. When you were, when you're reading this book, when were you like, did what happened first? Did you get the book? And then you're like, okay, I think I really need a coach or I needed to, you know, talk to a therapist. What was that timeline like? And was there like a breaking point? You're like, I need more assistance. Like I definitely need professional help. What was, what was that?
1: So I got the intuitive eating book and that was just from like following accounts on Instagram and just felt like these people were really resonating with me and they were speaking a dialogue that I could get behind. Um, And then I read that book and I was going great for probably six months, a little less than a year. And then... I can't remember if it was like a certain situation or what, or if it was just kind of a slow decrease back down to my old ways. And then I did have a breaking point. Um, when I say I was crying, crying in the closet, I was legit crying in the closet and I was starting to have some pretty scary thoughts, Mm -hmm. not suicidal, but definitely hating myself questioning my worth. Um, not only personally, but as a business owner, like why would anyone want to take my bar classes? I look like this. Um, my husband, uh, I don't deserve my husband, like just really, really. And my husband found me in the closet. Like I was bawling my eyes out. And that's when I was like, I need help. I need help. I don't want to continue like this. I can't continue like this. And so that's when, um, I started therapy. And then from there, um, therapy helped so much. But I also knew that I wanted to talk to somebody who had the same belief system I did when it came to diet culture. So that's when I got the intuitive eating coach. And she's pretty much like my second therapist, we almost like kind of talk about the same thing. If we didn't finish a thought in like intuitive eating coaching, my next week in therapy, we'll bring that up again and and go a little deeper because in intuitive eating, we try to keep it the food body image related. And sometimes it goes super deeper than that. So I'll bring like other issues will arise and I'll be like, Oh, I think I need to talk to my therapist about this. Like I didn't know this particular incident, you know, I'm still thinking about it and it's still affecting me in this way.
0: Um, how did you find those two, two people? Because therapy, I feel like <sighs> I have, I've had a therapist in the past. I've, I've had a few and this time around, I probably about a year ago, I was like, I need to talk some, to somebody. I was feeling like low just, um, and then I like met her once. And I'm like, she's just not my vibe. I don't want to go back to her. Did you experience that with your therapist, or did you guys hit it off the bat right away? Or how did you find this person?
1: So therapy is like a very boring story. I literally just reached out to my health insurance and was like, who is covered under my plan? And they gave me a list of doctors. So I called one and I just asked, like, I knew I wanted a female and I wanted someone youngish and we hit it off straight away. Great. And then after about a year, I found out that my insurance didn't cover it. She was not in network. And so I had to pay for every single back session I had to pay for, even though they told me it was this huge debacle, but I could not fathom trying to recreate a connection with someone. Right, I couldn't, it was just too much for me to even think about having to catch the new therapist up to date, you know, give them my whole backstory. So I decided that it was worth it for me to continue paying out of pocket to talk to this therapist. Right now, this intuitive eating coach that I found was through Instagram, just a couple of mm-hmm. accounts. Um, and there were, there's so many intuitive eating coaches, this one, um, we share the same faith and, um, she's local, although we still meet, um, on the phone, but she is local to South Carolina. And, uh, she just really resonated with me. Mm,
0: Yeah. Cause I know there are some people who are like, I tried therapy, same journeys. Like I went through my insurance and I'm like, oh, do I, it's, it's like one of those things, like, I don't have time to be going through all these lists and, you know, trying to meet with the type of people, but it's like, you know, you think about in the grand scheme of things, like, how do you not have time for it? So I just was curious. Did you guys hit off the bat right away? We did. Okay. We did. Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
1: yeah. I can give you her name after this. If yes. You know. That I would be, gr- it to my sister. I, w-
0: I will be, that would be great because I'm like, there's, a, I don't know. I'm the type of person too, that I like try to diagnose myself. I'm like, I already know this. I already know that. Oh yeah, me too.
1: <laughs> me too. Know? I know. I'm
0: like, I have this, I have
1: that. And I keep calling myself crazy. And she's told me like so many times, okay, you are not crazy.
0: Yeah. Um, and yeah, and that. that's
1: another thing. I think I take on the labels, not that anyone has ever called me crazy, but, um, I take on labels that people give me very quickly. So, um, you know, I'll tell her things like, I know I'm like this, or I know I overshare and da, da, da. And she's like, do you actually think that? Or is that because people have told you that? So anyway, that right. could be a whole other episode, yeah. but I will, after this, I will
0: text you, um, I would love that
1: for information. Yeah. Yeah. So, like I said, this is still a journey. Um, I've come so far in the last two years. I definitely have some low points, but I now feel like I have the tools. Like I feel my feelings. I acknowledge them. um, And something that my therapist told me once that really resonated with me. And I always remember it. Your thoughts are real, but they're not true. And that really helps me a lot. So when I am in my head, thinking all these things of like what people are thinking of me or saying about me. Um, When it comes to like what I look like,
0: I always have to remind myself my thoughts are real, but they're not true. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good one. So what are some of the things that still trigger you and how do you go about that?
1: Comparing myself to myself still triggers me, but what helps me is remembering I wasn't happy. I did not have the perfect life back then. You know, back when that picture was taken or when that video was recorded, I did not have the perfect life. I was still striving for what I am sometimes still striving for now. Um, So that helps putting myself. So social media really triggers me still. And I have had to do a social media detox. Um, I, un, I have unfollowed so many accounts, even accounts that I thought were quote unquote safe for me, right. the minute that they talk about, um, a, a diet or a cleanse or giving food, moral value, food has no moral value. You mentioned this at the beginning, there's no good, there's no bad food. Food is food. Some food has more nutritious value than other, but it's not all about nutrition. You right. know, what about emotional value that it gives so you? So true. Sometimes food also gives you uh, releases endorphins and stuff
0: like that for you. So nostalgia so I, about the emotion, yes. yeah, like eating the cookie your grandma made when you were a kid, or
1: yeah, it's not all about nutrition. It's about how it makes you feel emotionally and mentally as well. So the minute that someone speaks against the dialogue that I want follow, that I want to follow, I unfollow them. Um, so I've created this intuitive eating bubble and not only on social media, but also as like socially with friends as right. well. I've had to distance myself, um, from some friends and family that, um, just aren't speaking things about themselves, not even about me, but they're mm-hmm. just not treating themselves the way that I believe they should be, um, or saying things about themselves. Um, And sometimes my intuitive eating muscle is really strong and I can ignore it or speak against it. And sometimes it's not, um, you know, a lot of it is hormonal certain times of the month. I struggle more than I do other times of the month. Um, so yeah, those are some things that trigger me. Do the holidays,
0: um, like, especially around this time of year, when everybody's like talking about food and next week I'm going to start, you know, new goals or whatever it is. So I almost have
1: pity on them at this point in my Mm. journey. I'm almost like, gosh, I feel bad for them that they are doing this yet again. Just like diet doesn't work. If it worked, we wouldn't call it a diet. It would just be how everyone was. So I almost feel bad. And I try to share about my intuitive eating as much as I can, because I really do believe in it. And I really do believe it's the only way. And intuitive eating is so flexible too. Like it's not Regiment. Cause no one that that's one bad thing about diets is it's so controlling and so regiment. Um, so, so no, a year ago, yes. Like last holiday season, I was really triggered this holiday season. I wasn't, I know a lot more about myself. I've come a lot further. Um, so to me, it's just another, another day, another, another part of the year.
0: Yeah. That's amazing. And I know how much work you've put into, yourself and it's beautiful and it's inspiring to people. Even my, even myself, I will admit there are things that I say, especially even a couple of years ago. And I'm like, that's why I really don't post. Um, I used to post what, post what I ate Wednesday and I would get comments like, um, you know, from other people like, oh, you don't eat that much. And then me personally, I'm like, you know, if I didn't share something that you know, from that day, what if I had a snack at night? And then they, they didn't see that part. They weren't getting the whole kind of picture and, you know, all these other variables. And I'm like, I don't want to add fuel to the fire. So I'm, I'm learning we're humans, right? We're kind of, we're constantly on this journey. And when we know better, we do better. And, um, you know, having guests like, you on the show really helped me personally. And I feel like kind of selfish of this podcast because I get so much out of this, just, you know, hopefully just as much as the listeners do, but because we're all human and, you know, I've shared before my, my issue with the scale. And you said like you had your husband get a, you know, put it out of the house or you got rid of it. And then when you go to the doctor, um, you don't have them tell you your weight. And I think that is really, really profound. Uh, what kind of words or phrases do you think like small little things that we can start doing now as a listener um what can we do now to change that view around how we see food so the
1: first thing and and you mentioned it was getting rid of the scale Mm. that's like the number For one thing, I think I'd kind of hit a plateau with my intuitive eating because I was like, oh, I'll take that principle. I'll take this principle, but I can't let go of the scale yet because to me, the scale was like real. Right. Like there's nothing more real than a number. Um, And I that's when I plateaued. And I was like, I I know if I need to take this to the next level, I have to get rid of the scale. And my husband did that for me because I could not. Um, You have to trust your body. That's like the number one thing. And that is what diet culture wants you not to do. Diet culture wants, does not want you to trust your body. If you trust your body, you're not going to feed into their diet plan of how they're telling you what to eat and what not to eat, or they're telling you what kind of exercise you need to do. You are the only one that knows your body. Um, Another one is trying to catch yourself when you're saying, good and bad when it comes to food and whether you deserve it or not. Those were phrases that I was finding that I was thinking and saying a lot. And as soon as I stopped that and removed that from my vocabulary, that, oh, the salad is good and pie is bad. I had like, I stopped that. And then whether I deserved something, you know, oh, I worked out today. So I deserve this. I had to stop talking about Mm -hmm. that. Um, and then when looking at myself, I kept telling myself that I am strong and that I am healthy Mm -hmm. instead of I am skinny or I am fat or I am bloated or, you know, I am jiggly or whatever I'm strong and I'm healthy Mm -hmm. and I honor my body for that. And anything I do is to promote those two things.
0: Yeah. Wow. That's really profound. Um, when, I just lost my train of thought. Cause I was like, oh my gosh, that's, that's so amazing. Oh, as a business owner, ha- have you changed how you yes. instruct oh, yes. or emails yes. that you send? Um, and how have you done that? So
1: I take out, um, like I, on every Tuesday in my, or second week of every month, I send out a newsletter for a recipe and it used to be a healthy recipe of like no sugar or no butter or gluten-free and da, da da And now I've completely changed the type of recipes that I put in there. Um, I don't always make, like I used to like healthify recipes and now I give you the darn good one, the OG, right. the one that's going to taste good, you know, and it has nutritional value in there. And I point out those things like This is great for this. This is great for that. But guess what? That butter is going to make you feel really good too. And it's like nostalgic. (laughs) Like it's my grandmother's cookie recipe or my favorite comfort food, you know, something like that. Right. Um, And then in teaching, oh my gosh, yes. I've stopped saying like, oh, 30 more seconds of this plank. And then we can go all eat a piece of pizza or, you know, whatever, something like that. I stopped that. Um, if I hear any ladies commenting on their body, or what it looks like, I immediately respond with how strong they are, how healthy they are, how they are honoring their body and just really try to turn that narrative around for them. Cause I don't want that. Like I have put myself in intuitive eating bubble for a reason. And right. if I'm letting these ladies into my home and into my home studio, I don't want them to pop my intuitive eating bubble. And if I can send them off with a little nugget of goodness, that's what I. Even if it's just a small thing that kind of makes them stop and like recognize what they're saying, right? Then, then that's good for me.
0: Ooh, yes, I love that. You mentioned um, your identity. Lord, I want to
1: stop. I want to stop you for just one minute about that. Is Yeah. And you know, this to be true as well as fitness professionals, it's so easy for us to get on the bandwagon of new year, new you, or, you know, challenges to lose weight and stuff like that. It's a quick fix for us to make good money. It's a way to get more followers because it's the narrative that everyone speaks But you and I both have made a conscious decision not to do that. And maybe that means that I'm not making as much money as I could be if I fed into the diet culture, or if I jumped on the bandwagon for all these weight loss challenges, or um, here's a guide to get six pack abs or lift your booty or something like that. That's the easy way. And we are choosing to go the difficult way, but that I feel it gives more service and more justice to our, our clients.
0: Yeah, totally. And I think I, that definitely shows and you're, you you're unique in that where, you know, the right people that are supposed to be with you and follow you and take your classes and, you know, a part of your subscription and all of that are your people. And, you know, you're part of this, this change, this revolution of how we, view few, uh, food and, you know, the words that we use. So, you know, you should definitely give yourself a pat on the back for that because it's not always easy, you know, when everybody else is doing, um, you know, whatever, trying to sell before we leave today, you mentioned your identity, you, have uh, attached it to being short and, you know, a dancer and all of these things. How does Heather see herself now like what is your identity that you have really stepped into how would you describe yourself
1: a giver uh a sassy giver is what i, I mean <laughs> sassy is a, is a one identity one label that people have given me that i'm like you know what i'm going to keep that one yeah cuz i don't think there's anything wrong with being sassy whether they mean it in a bad way or not i'm taking it and claiming it as a good thing right um Yeah. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a giver. I'm a caretaker. I'm kind. Um, and honestly, through this journey, my identity just in my faith has been really, really strong for me. Um, and I've learned that that's, that's my number one identity is, is in my faith and in God.
0: Mm -hmm. Is there anything that you want to touch on or say to the listeners that we didn't get to that you think is you know really important to say?
1: I feel like, I mean, if I say it again, it's just going to be like nagging, but get rid of the scale, get yeah. rid of the scale, get rid of the scale. Food has no moral value. Eat when you're hungry, stop when you're full. And that takes time. And that's scary for a lot of people. If they feel like, they can't trust themselves. Right. And they have no control. You know, people have say this all the time. Oh, I have no control. I could never keep those cookies in my house because I would just eat them all. That may be true at the beginning until you tap into your intuitive eater and flex that muscle. I can keep all the foods in my house now and not wanting like not need or feel the need to eat any of them until I want them, but it's so nice to know that I can trust myself, that I can eat a cookie or two and and stop knowing that tomorrow, if I want another cookie, they're right there. I can get another cookie. Um, so do the work you may need to read the book, instead of listen to the book or read the book multiple yeah.
0: times, <laughs> it might not um, bother you. I know some people are just like, I'm like, Oh my gosh, I'm going to fall. There's a Absolutely. lot of
1: audiobooks that I can't listen to because yes. they want to put me to sleep. So I'm maybe like, this I is can't. one that you, you really do. I just needed like the work to it. And there's a lot of good images and visuals that they give in there. Um, and and so, yeah. look at
0: the therapist. I think a professional help. I think you mentioned 100%. that I'm like. You can't, Some there's some things that are bigger than us, especially uh-huh. if you want to get down to the nitty gritty and, yeah. you know, do the deep work. You need an outsider, somebody that doesn't know you, who somebody who is a professional, they have done this before and makes you feel not so crazy, you know, yeah. <laughs> the word yeah. that you use. I
1: promise you. Every single person who has body image disordered eating or eating disorders or anything like that, I promise you, it's more than food. I promise you, it's more than food. Totally, it's something I, way deeper than that, and that's where therapists can really help.
0: Yeah, I love that. Where can people find you if they want to follow you on Instagram or if they want to take your classes virtually? Give us all the all the good stuff.
1: Yeah, so my Instagram is just um, bar where you are. And then you can go to my website, bar where you are sc.com. And that's where you can get everything online classes, in-person classes, all that good stuff.
0: All the good stuff. And there's like, how many videos do you have up now of?
1: Gosh, so many. December was actually our sixth year, which is crazy.
0: So, That's amazing. Yeah, like more
1: than 150 videos up, I think.
0: Right wow, wow! And they range from how many minutes? There's 15 minutes all the way
1: to an hour. We have. they started out just bar, which is still the main thing, but we've also added yoga and dance cardio. Earlier, last you know, this it's still 2021. I don't know when this will come out, but um, <laughs> earlier in 2021, we launched a beginner, like a back to bar basics program. So, it's some of our favorite workouts, but made more beginner friendly. And we are currently working on um, a pre and postnatal fitness program as well, bar program.
0: That's awesome. So, if you're short on time, there's mamas out there like, I just need to get my endorphins up for 15 minutes. Um, and I love your Instagram shout out to Jessica field. She does a great job. She has two little ones and she shares she on her does. story. She like she does it with a dog dog around and her kids oh, right and she just manages to uh, squeeze it in. So shout out to her. And if you're looking for something new and somebody who's going to support you and encourage you definitely follow Heather and look into her bar where you are classes. Thank you so much for being here today and being so transparent and vulnerable.
1: Thank you, Lauren. I appreciate you um, providing this platform for me to come on. This means a lot to me. and It's really special.
0: Of course, my pleasure. You guys, if you love this episode, make sure that you screenshot it and share it with your social media. Help spread the word of intuitive eating. It starts like sometimes we think like, oh, we're just a you know one person and we can't change this. It starts with you. Even getting the word out when somebody says or reads intuitive eating. Well, what is that? that is getting it out there so screenshotting it and sharing it if you want tag myself and heather i'll leave all that information in the show notes that helps us as well um, spread our spread our message so you guys remember you got this thank you so much for tuning in today